1: This is Haas. And this is Samson with Franks and Dean in Las Vegas, Nevada. And, and unless, unless we, we feel, feel like screaming at, at the, the radio, radio we, we never listen, listen to I, I doubt it with Dolomore. Guy's such an asshole. Yeah, but she's kind of hot though. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dallimore. All right, welcome to the show, episode 231 of I Doubt It with Dallimore. I am your host, at least for now, Jesse Dallimore, and sitting across from me, Everyone's perennial favorite, my lovely and talented co-host, Brittany Page.
2: Yeah, I'm busy rubbing my eye right now. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, ready to go. Wow.
1: Professional <laughs> broadcaster, everyone. Well, you Brittany know, Page. I,
2: I don't know if everyone will understand this, but... <laughs> For ladies... Listen,
1: it's not starting off well.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, sometimes that happens. Tell me more
1: about the ladies.
2: Okay. some, Some ladies wear makeup. Some men wear makeup. Whatever. People who wear makeup. Okay. Right, right. When you're not wearing makeup and you can rub your eyes, it's just one of the greatest feelings in the world.
1: The different television things that I've done where they've applied makeup to this horrific monstrosity that I have been <laughs> cursed with as a face uh, I I really never knew the hell that was makeup that you can't scratch your goddamn face you can't rub your eyes you really, it is, you ladies I take off my proverbial hat to you because you live, it's kind of a shitty existence going through life <laughs> Not, wow. not having, just rubbing your eyes is a a glorious thing. Yeah, when, it's wonderful. When they're itchy and you're tired.
2: Yeah. But if you have mascara on, no dice. Well,
1: I've never in the certain occasions that I have had shit applied to my face. No,
2: it's okay. I've never
1: had the the the, the honor of having mascara applied. It's okay. You Although can... I'm I'm sure they would like to do that with <laughs> my ginger eyelashes and eyebrows that <laughs> you can't even see anyway.
2: Well, that's all right.
1: I have had makeup people in those occasions, like, oh, you want us to add a little color? No, I don't want you to add color. Just do what you do so I don't look like a shiny, sweaty pig on camera. Well,
2: it works for men, right? There's a different set of look standards for men and women.
1: Goddamn right there is. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I don't want to talk about that at the top of the show. First of all, welcome. We appreciate you guys tuning in. It's awesome. Before we do anything, I want to get the number out of the way. If you'd like to communicate with the show 657 7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at Brittany and I had dinner with someone last night. As most of you well know, we live in the Los Angeles area, in Orange County, California, and Huntington Beach, which used to be called Surf City, USA. They have a new slogan, a new little catchphrase that they paid like like 100 grand for or something.
2: Like $65,000. They
1: paid a consultant firm, a consultancy is that what they call them? I uh, don't know. 65 grand to come up with a new logo or or moniker for the for this town and now it's the the soul of Socal.
2: Yeah, I'm, that is a $65,000 slogan. <laughs> it really is. The
1: soul of SoCal. <laughs> so we were in the soul of SoCal at a new like thing along the beach. It's like a new complex called Pacific City. Yeah. In which they have several restaurants, all kinds of shops. It's kind of a cool little thing there. Mm-hmm. So we had dinner at a place, very mediocre dinner with a beautiful view of the ocean, ultimately is what it was.
2: I liked my dinner. Meh.
1: We went and had drinks afterward. <laughs> you
2: liked yours, too. You're we, just being we went a and had
1: drinks and, 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 uh, and dessert afterward.
2: That was a disaster.
1: And holy shit, have you ever had one of those instances where it's a a a series of comical events... That you would see in like a, a fucking Three Stooges movie or something.
2: Well, you start wondering if you're on a, a hidden camera show or yes. something. and ah, and that is exactly what it was like. And they're testing your patience to see, you know, how long you can withstand this horrific what, situation what before ter- you
1: explode. What was that terrible MTV show? Bo- Boiling Point. Boiling Point. It was just like that. Yeah. So we sit down, and I'm just having a couple of glasses of whiskey, so my shit's easy. I watch him make mine. But... You, L- low
2: maintenance, Jesse. D. You ladies,
1: you had a couple of uh,
2: little desserts. Yes.
1: One ordered the butter cake.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Brittany ordered... Uh,
2: Peach rhubarb cobbler. Yeah,
1: which was tasty. Tasty little treat. Little tasty so they, little treat. They bring it out, and they they it's in a little mini cast iron skillet with a dollop of ice cream on top, and it was great. Yeah. So we wait, you know, probably... 10 minutes for the desserts to arrive. No,
2: it was more like 25 minutes. You
1: think it was almost a half hour, huh? Yeah, I think so. So when they finally do arrive... Oh, that's right, because I was already through my first maker's mark. Yeah. This episode brought to you by bourbon. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so, we... Uh, they get the desserts, and it's it's Brittany's dessert, as advertised.
2: And then a chocolate cake.
1: And then a chocolate not butter cake. Right. So politely, and we should probably speed this up. This could end up being a fucking half-hour story. Politely say, oh, this isn't it. Oh, yeah, shit, I, I, I must have fat-fingered the key or something or whatever he said. So they sent it back, or they let us eat on it while the, the, the real dessert came.
2: Except for the bartender ate half of the chocolate cake. That's steak. right. He, he did... just was like, oh, you mind if I eat one of these strawberries? And I, okay, right. that's weird. That but is what happened. go ahead and do that, I Tanner's guess. Tanner's
1: Treetop Bar is so, where we were. So
2: then about <laughs> 20 minutes later, they bring another peach rhubarb cobbler and another chocolate cake. So now we have four desserts at the table and none of them are a butter cake. That's right. Again. So the butter cake is still not coming.
1: No, well, here's you're forgetting. We did have four. So he goes to get another one and another chocolate cake comes out. So now we have a total of five desserts after the second set arrived.
2: And so the person we were with was still wanting their butter cake. <laughs> so he the the waiter says it's it's coming. It's still coming. This probably was over an hour of waiting at this point. And then it finally comes out. And I mean, this is the shittiest looking (laughs) dessert you've ever seen in your life. It
1: really was. It looked like. It was like a
2: joke. I started laughing.
1: It looked not (sighs) like butter cake. It looked like a couple of shriveled sticks of of garlic bread (laughs) at a terrible Italian place. Yeah. It was. And then when you ate it, (laughs) <laughs> it didn't taste it was, much different than that. It was horrible. It wasn't sweet. It wasn't even savory. It was just kind of like it'd been laying around.
2: Yeah, so we ended up having like six desserts at the table. Most were duplicates, and then yeah. one of them was this shit butter cake. It was just a bummer.
1: And then he had the audacity to actually charge for everything. I mean, not all of the six desserts, but <laughs> what was ordered, he charged for.
2: Yeah, it was It was very
1: Really weird and he also informed Brittany that it doesn't matter where you get your master's degree because this bartender used to be a counselor at the university of phoenix and he's an expert because you know when you go to get your career advice you definitely should take it from a former college counselor who who is now a, a bartender Brittany was at that point pretty spent didn't want to have a conversation with this guy Over the course of, you know, the 7 or 12 or 18 desserts we had on the table. So,
2: (laughs) Uh, good times. Yes.
1: Good times. Yes. uh, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We won't be probably going back there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not unless we want a bunch of free desserts.
1: Right, yeah. If you like free desserts or multiple desserts and you only pay for one, that's the place to go. All right. Listen, if you are new to the show and you have not rated and reviewed us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, go do that for us. Because through whatever algorithms that uh, these different uh, mediums use, that is one of the metrics. It's, it's how many people are rating and reviewing to let us know, to let them know how popular or or liked a show is. So go rate and review us on iTunes or wherever. We appreciate it very much. All right, let's get to some voicemails. Our first voicemail, and this will also go with follow up, is about the lawsuit right now that Gretchen Carlson, former Fox News host, and former Fox and Friends host, and she has filed a sexual harassment lawsuit against the president of Fox News, or the leader of Fox News, Roger Ailes, and I had some comments about this last episode, and inexplicably this caller disagrees
3: hey jesse and britney um i'm calling about the uh gretchen carlson issue uh where she's suing roger ale for uh, sexual harassment and i'm gonna have to uh, disagree with jesse i as much as i dislike gretchen carlson i 100 percent believe that uh ale has been a creep at her maybe not the specific things she's mentioned, but, I mean, if you look at the women that Fox News hired, they're like 95 99% tall, leggy, blondes in short skirts because, I mean, 65-year-old white men are watching the channel and 65-year-old white men might not be able to afford Viagra, so that's the next best thing. And, you know, Roger Ailes is, you know, one of the guys who does the hiring and who says, you know, we've gotten memos leaked that said, hey, female employees, you have to wear these skirts, you know, it's part of your contract. So, yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. Steve Douchey, I mean, the guy's a <laughs> wiener, so He's a wiener. I believe it, but I mean, you know, that's it, whatever. I, yeah um it just sounds like he's an asshole uh anyway love the show guys and britney's the best part love the show britney's the best part well i
1: will i will agree on a couple of points one i do believe steve Ducey is a wiener (laughs) i believe that steve Ducey may be a walking talking dildo with ears it just might that might be the case but l- let me take issue with something that the caller brought up that he disagrees with me, he said, as though I don't believe Gretchen Carlson. Th- that's not what I said last episode. What I said was, I was having a hard time. I was I was really, I'm having to make an effort to be fair about whether or not what she's saying is true because of my intense dislike of her. I'm not making a judgment one way or the other. I, I tend to kind of, give credence to these kinds of claims but it's hard for me because i i don't like her and i was i was making a, a more of a statement about that that we all should do a better job me included me first probably of being fair to people even and and their claims and their arguments or whatever even if you disagree maybe even more when you really don't like them because it's super easy to fall into that trap That that's what i was saying
2: yeah, and I, I think there's an important distinction to make there because there's a difference between sexual harassment and objectifying women, yeah. which obviously Fox has methods right, well, sex through which... Sells. Right. They, you know, show off the legs with having, you know, Andrea Tantaneros sitting on the edge of the table on the five so that she can show off her legs or Kimberly Guilfoyle or any of the shows that you watch. The legs are always prominently displayed. Yeah, they
1: have a leg chair. There is a certain chair, the angle of which gives you a shot of long, sexy legs. And that's where they put the woman with the long, sexy legs in the leg chair.
2: Is interesting to me because Megyn Kelly has always praised Roger Ailes. Yeah, which is kind of disappointing to me because six additional women have come forward. Yeah, that's that's
1: the follow up here.
2: Accuse Roger Ailes of sexual harassment
1: and even some pretty salacious stuff, like asking he's asking for blowjobs just being a creepy-ass creeper.
2: Well, and apparently it's been going on for a long time. A woman named Marsha Callahan, she's a former model, said that in the late 1960s, Roger Ailes asked her to lift her skirt and do different poses in the office. And then a former Republican National Committee field advisor, Kelly Boyle, alleges that Roger Ailes wanted her to perform oral sex on him problematic things coming out right and like i said six additional women right so So people coming out supporting gretchen carlson that's
1: right it's not yet cosby-esque the numbers but it's listen it's it's time to perk up and and take note and really give this case credence because you know it's serious also they're using a legal maneuver right now because she did sign an arbitration agreement with her contract that if she did have a grievance That rose from her employment that they would uh, file that grievance through the American Arbitration Association and they didn't do that they went to the district court so uh, we'll see because arbitration would be confidential in this case well so if it's a public case that's going to be public but arbitration wouldn't be.
2: Well, Roger Ailes' attorney released a statement, and they're kind of going after the date that these newest allegations occurred or accusations. That they're too old to
1: be credible. Yeah, basically
2: saying, well, these are 30 to 50 years old. These don't matter. Right. And Gretchen Carlson, her lawyer, released a counterstatement. (laughs) Right.
1: They are adjudicating this in the media right now. And so. said,
2: women have the right to speak out, whether Ailes likes it or not, even about trauma they endured years ago and that still haunts them to this day. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, the next voicemail kind of gets at the heart of the, the national trauma that we've been experiencing over the course of the last few days. It's been a, it's been a tough few days.
3: Hey, guys. John from Pennsylvania bloody, bloody hell. The events of the past couple, two, three days here are uh, completely horrible. Uh, initially felt like, wow, talk about not moving the conversation forward. Let's move it back a lot, what do you say? But uh, I don't know. Maybe something good will come of it. Maybe we'll stop just talking about things and become aware that things are kind of like this, and it's sort of true. What? That is being said all the time. And maybe we can do something about it. Maybe. We'll have to wait and see. Time will tell. Anyhow, peace out, guys. Enjoy yourselves. Bye.
1: I would agree with that. I think time will tell. We we will see in the coming months if, if this is just going to be like any other national tragedy, whether it be the Dallas thing or the philando Castile incident, which we will all get to right now. It really has been a difficult several days since our last episode. In the wake of the horrific scene that played out on multiple videos having been released of the killing of Alton Sterling, there was another killing of an armed black man this time with a legal permit to carry his weapon. Philando Castile in Minnesota was pulled over. He alerted the officer that he had a concealed carry permit and was carrying, instructed the officer where the weapon was. The officer asked for his ID. He reached for his ID and was summarily executed by the cop. Multiple rounds to the abdomen and the chest Rendering Mr. Castile dead.
2: When this happened, his fiance was in the passenger seat next to him, and her daughter, a four year old, was in the back seat. So we were able to see the aftermath of this shooting because she. Frequently use the feature where you can do a live broadcast on Facebook. That's right. And she turned that on after he had been shot and live streamed the events following the shooting to her Facebook page.
4: Stay with me. We got pulled over for a busted tail light in the back. And the police just he's 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 covered. He, He killed my boyfriend. He's licensed, he's carried, he's licensed to carry. He was trying to get out his ID and his wallet out his um, pocket and he let the officer know that he was, he had a firearm and he was reaching for his wallet and the officer just shot him in his arm. We're waiting for a back, I will, sir, no worries. I will. He just shot his arm off we got pulled oh. over on Larpener. Told him not to reach for it. I told him to get his hand open. He had you told him to get his ID, sir, and his driver's license. Oh my god, please don't tell me he's dead.
1: Pretty hard to listen to.
2: Well, you can hear the cop having a very strong reaction to what he just did.
1: Yeah. Well, it this really goes to show uh, there's been a lot of vitriol out there against the cop and their anger, and there should be some anger for sure. But I don't think this guy, this uh, Geronimo Yanez, or I don't know how to say his name, but Geronimo Yanez is how it looks <laughs> when you're
2: welcome to my world. Yeah,
1: when you're when you only speak English, this really does go to the difference between being a racist and having bias, implicit bias against young black men. You can hear it in his voice that he is panicked, that he realizes. He fucked up. I told him not to reach for
0: it. I told him to get his hand off.
1: He's crying. And I'm sure a lot of it's fear that I just murdered someone. I just executed someone with no cause. This was not a justified killing. This wasn't a justified shooting.
2: And I'm going to be in trouble.
1: Right. So there's probably a lot of that going on. But, but I, wouldn't, I wouldn't count out that he's actually upset that he killed an innocent man. ...who had done nothing wrong. I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't go there so quickly. We don't know that. But it does go to the fact that... ...black men in this country... ...are killed at a disproportionate rate. And unarmed black men. The statistics point to seven times more likely... ...to die at the hands of the police... ...while unarmed... Than whites. That's a problem. That does justify protests. That does justify rallies and speeches and anger and some level of uprising. Not violence, but political uprising. In the wake of this and the Alton Sterling thing, a female African-American cop from Cleveland took to Facebook, which is becoming a beautiful thing right now, that people are able to get out there and get their message out right away. She was very displeased. She put out about a seven and a half minute video talking just from the heart extemporaneously about this. And here is just a clip that I found very moving.
4: But what hurts me the most is the people that stood in front of a judge and stood in front of a mayor and said, I swear my oath that I will serve and protect this community. And God, please forgive me and you can delete me if you get mad at me. If you are white and you working in a black community and you are racist, you need to be ashamed of yourself. You stood up there and took an oath. If this is not where you want to work at, then you need to take your behind somewhere else. I decided to work in an African-American community because I'm African-American and I wanted to make a difference. I could have worked in Parma. I could have worked in Lakewood. I could have worked in North Olmstead. I'm a double minority. They would have got two hits for me because I'm African-American and I'm a female. I'm here because I wanted to make a difference. But how dare you stand next to me in the same uniform and murder somebody? How dare you? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. So why don't we just keep it real? If you're that officer then no good and well, you got a god complex. You're afraid of people that don't look like you. You have no business in that uniform. Take it off.
2: So that's Nakia Jones, and she's a cop. And so she's giving her perspective. And typically when you hear the perspective from police officers, it's this, knee-jerk defense of police, regardless of the right. situation. like this
1: blue wall of defense and silence.
2: Or they say, they don't say, but they act like any critique of police means you support what happened in Dallas. And I know we're getting to Dallas later, but yeah. it's it's as though the police are untouchable. You can't make a critique, because if you make a critique, then it means you don't support them.
1: It's a lot of the same thing that I see with Islam if you if you criticize radical islam people take it as you it's an indictment of the entire religion and you're calling all muslims bad people and it's a distraction from the actual conversation because this is a conversation that needs desperately to be had in america right now
2: i think that what she said it it, w- it went viral, and she was interviewed on the news. Yeah. I think a lot of people are starting to pay attention to this conversation and trying to see the nuance in it, rather as before, just kind of retreating into their corners and blindly defending the side that they typically defend. Yeah. And one thing I'm still seeing is this idea that you need to respect authority, that people aren't respecting authority. Authority, and that's what's getting them killed, as though not respecting authority warrants a death sentence.
1: That's right. Yeah. Death
2: penalty it, it is, for not respecting authority. Well, it,
1: it really is. It goes to show that there is a difference with the way, let's just use me, we'll use me as an anecdotal piece of evidence. I don't call cops, sir. I don't scrape and grovel and, oh, yes, sir. Oh, yes, officer. Uh. There's no ass-kissing. They're a person. I'm a person. I don't treat my doctor with undue deference. Why would I treat a cop with undue deference? They're another American. They're doing a job. A difficult job.
2: They're also a government employee. That's right. And you are...
1: (laughs) Well, I don't treat the people who work at the goddamn DMV any differently than I do the person who works at 7-Eleven. I treat all humans... With decency and respect, that doesn't mean scraping and bowing and groveling like I'm some some less than.
2: Although saying sir isn't groveling, but I understand what you mean. Kind of this, well, this fear and having to tiptoe and treat it. them a certain way if, in order to get respect from them.
1: If you're calling them sir because you're afraid of what will happen because they wield this power, well, that's a problem. They should be professional enough, and many of them are professional enough to act accordingly because it's like I've said many times, and I'll say it again because it bears repeating. If you're not mature enough to do your job, a tough job like this, and you stress out and you freak out and you spaz out, or you you have such low self-esteem that you need to be just revered and worshipped by the general public, this isn't the job for you.
2: Well, you know, it's also weird because I'm seeing a lot of conservatives still saying, well, you need to respect authority. You need to respect the authority of the police. But they're the same people that are um, not accepting the FBI's decision on Hillary Clinton's emails. Right.
1: Yeah, that's oh, that's a great point.
2: So which is it? Is it Absolutely. deference to authority or is it not? You going to trust the FBI or not?
1: Are are you going to (laughs) trust... If you really trust that every policeman who says, oh, we did everything right, he was going for his gun. He was non-compliant, and it became a situation, so we had to kill him. If you believe them at their word, why don't you believe James Comey, the FBI director? That's an awesome point. Well, this conversation was had on CNN with Don Lemon and a panel... And Don Lemon, who, eh, I have a love-hate relationship with Mr. Lemon. Right now, he's in the win column for me, so I like him more than I don't like him.
2: Well, you said love-hate, so it sounds like he's more in the love column Well, for sometimes,
1: you. yeah, look, sometimes Don Lemon steps on his dick and says some dumb stuff, but this week hasn't been one of those weeks. I am one who always says that you
0: should comply with police officers, especially as a man of color. That's exactly when I'm stopped correct. by police officers. I tell my kids the same officer, thing. Officer, why are you stopping me? Yes, yes, officer, or whatever. Now, I am an American. I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to be yes siring anybody, right? I'm a grown, you know what, man. You don't have to say sir, but if he's yes. giving it all, yeah, but okay. I do it because I want to stay alive. That's why I do it. I shouldn't have to. Now, my friends, my white counterparts don't do that. They speak to police officers in a way Brackley's that I I never never, I in a speak to them just like you do. Years do. And that is the reality of it. I have to do that because I want to stay alive. As accomplished as I am, and a man of color on television who are recognizable to many people, mm-hmm. I have to do that because I don't want to be shot and I don't want to be killed. And I am someone who is never in trouble. The only time I'm ever stopped is for something stupid, riding a skateboard on the sidewalk. That's the kind of crap I'm stopped for, not for anything else. Okay, and, but it, and when that happens, yes, officer, how may I help you? I say the same thing. And I tell my kids to say the same thing. And yeah, that's what the me. guy in Minnesota, they said his, his, his mother said. She taught him the same thing, and he is dead today. See, here's I'm, the thing. Here's the thing. And, 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 and Don brings up a very good point with this. This notion that compliance and respectability can save someone's life in an encounter of police is not the reality for black men in this country. That is a problem. But a I, still, I still say, I still say, and I know people get upset, if an officer stops you, you do what he says. There's no disagreement just, there. And you do it. But it's I think, think we have to, but you, in this environment, to stay alive, no you question, should do that. There's no question that from a practical standpoint, I mentor young men Thank in Brooklyn. You. I tell them the very same thing. We want you alive. We want you around. Right. So we need you to conduct yourself in a certain yeah. way when you're dealing with law enforcement, yeah. even though that
1: should not be. Well, first of all, let, let's just get it out of the way. <laughs> What is Don Lemon doing riding a skateboard on the sidewalk? He's not just a grown-ass man. He's 50 goddamn years old. He's 50 years old riding a skateboard. I don't know whether that I really respect that and think it's awesome or... Come on, dude.
2: (laughs) I still can't believe he's 50. He looks real good.
1: Yeah, CNN, as well uh, as, as Fox News does at picking the ladies... Who are looking real good? Whoever's running, who the executive who's doing the hiring over at CNN is picking some dudes that just don't age. Yeah, because Anderson Cooper is also one handsome. I think he's fifty-two or something. Yeah, he's a, he's an old guy. He's real old. That's not old. Anyway, back to this. Th- this does tell the story, and it also juxtaposes the two views because the one guy who was like, that's what I tell my kids too. He's a white gentleman who is affiliated with the police. Mm -hmm. So of course it's all deference and respect. You're just, you're doing a job,
2: right? Well, it's also, he doesn't have to fear being killed by the police. Yeah. Like for me, I'm respectful to the police when they pull me over because I don't want a harsher punishment. Right. There was one time where I tried to argue and say, you know, I did make this illegal legal turn, um, but I didn't put anyone in danger. There was no cars. There was nothing going on. Right. And the cop said, no, there were cars. You turned in front of cars. And I just knew at that point I, I couldn't argue because he's telling me something that's not true. He's forcing this on me. Right. That's the way it's going to go. Right. Um. So it wasn't worth it to argue in that situation. But I don't have to worry about him getting violent with me, ripping me out of the car, you know, those kinds of things happening to me. So when that guy was trying to interrupt Don Lemon, I'm glad that he said, no, let me talk because I'm trying to get a point across. I understand that you're saying, oh yeah, I have to tell my kids the same thing. It's different.
1: It, it absolutely is different. And the statistics bear that out. And you know, I, I don't know if, if you might, well, I'm already here. I'm saying it. So <laughs> Oh, I'm, I want to I want to tell a story uh, about <laughs> Brittany. You you're, you've really kind of come around on this police issue over the course of the last one year. Oh yeah. About a year ago, Brittany and I were at a local taco joint, and when we left, there was a guy who was shit faced, snot slinging, rug sucking, drunk, puking. Like like he had just liquid puke, water puke.
2: Right on himself, on his chest.
1: Stumbly, bumbly guy. It
2: was really bad.
1: And Brittany, the, very concerned for him. For me, he's yeah, just a drunk guy. That's a drunk guy. He wasn't homeless. He was relatively well-dressed, but he was just shit-hammered drunk. And Brittany sees him, and, and, and we need to call the cops because that guy needs help. And my reaction was, we might fuck up that guy's life if we call the cops. He might get a drunk in public. He might get even worse than that. He might end up dead if we call the cops. And Brittany, you were incredulous about this. We had an argument on the way to the next stop because (laughs) you you were insistent that the cops are there to help. That was the quote. They are there to help us. They are there to serve and protect. And we shouldn't be afraid to call the cops. And you have since shifted slowly yeah, because of the violence that we witness on an almost we- weekly basis.
2: Well, listen, I'm not embarrassed for you to share this because I always talk about how it's good to change your mind. And when I talk about this, sometimes people say, oh, yeah, what's the last thing you changed your mind about? Like they're going to catch me in a trap. <laughs> um but I actually do change my mind about things somewhat regularly because of this whole accepting new information yeah and I was actually kind of challenged on this on Facebook and asked for my my personal experience with the police like your
1: credentials
2: right which which I don't feel is necessarily relevant but in terms of how I went through this police process evolution i guess you could say is from a very young age i believed that the police were there to help my parents taught me they're both from los angeles both criminals they taught me from a very young age to not trust the police and they said you know if you ever get pulled over keep your hands visible because they will kill you right um and then as i grew up and they
1: also grew up in a time when L.A. County and L.A.P.D. was notoriously violent.
2: Right. And then as I started getting older and my my dad was involved in violent altercations with our family or other people, domestic violence, the cops would come and they would help. They would take him away and things would be better. The
1: chaos would cease. Right. Because the police came.
2: And I felt safer. Right. And so when these things would happen, I would view it from my own perspective of, oh, well, the police would come and they would help me. So that's what they do for other people. Right. It's not fair to evaluate the experience of others based on our own experience. That's my experience. Right.
1: We can't. The world doesn't exist only through your lens or my lens.
2: No. And so slowly it's been this process of kind of clinging to that idea, I guess. Yeah. And having to reconcile with this idea that, no, the police are abusing their power in, in many cases, not all cases, not right. all police are bad. No,
1: Here's the deal. They're abusing their power in too many cases, not right. all, not even a vast majority. It might just be a, a small number, but it's too many.
2: Right. And so this is an important conversation to have.
1: Well, listen, I, I just put out another video. It's been a very active YouTube time for the podcast here. Yeah, it has. And I put out another video about this Philando Castile thing. And in the video, I would encourage you to go watch it one because, you know, that's it's awesome. I I like the the ego boost of some views, <laughs> who, who, I'm not going to lie here. But but the other thing is it, it is it's important to to further this conversation. And the police departments and municipalities and different localities need to do a better job of not just hiring better policemen. They need to do a better job of not hiring the maniacs, of not hiring the trigger-happy, low-self-esteem, couldn't-hack-it-in-the-military assholes who just want to rough somebody up. The kind of people that Nakia Jones was talking about in her Facebook response. Because what she said was awesome. And there were some very beautiful, poignant points in there that if, listen, if you're a racist and you're afraid of black people, you don't get to be a cop. Go work at a warehouse somewhere removed from the public eye where you don't have power. Over the citizens of the United States, where you can trample on their civil rights and their constitutional rights, it's not the job for you.
2: Yeah, and in addition to that, they need to be better at removing the the bad cops. Yeah, right?
1: it shouldn't be a job you just keep forever. Well, he's hired, so we can't really get rid of him.
2: Well, I don't know how it works, but there should be some sort of structure in which people go through psychological assessment on a regular basis, maybe quarterly or something to determine how they're holding up. Right. How how are things going? Because when you're a cop and you're working the streets, you see really unfortunate things on a regular basis, and that's hard.
1: Well, like in the case of this Alton Sterling situation, those two guys... The information that we're seeing right now is that they were investigated for excessive force and violations of their duties. Both of them. Five times over the course of seven years. Uh, that's a problem. And if you have two guys who have a penchant for roughing up citizens, black citizens especially, you don't pair them together. There needs to be some kind of a better system of working that out. The other thing, we failed to mention this, and I, I don't want to go without having mentioned this. Is that there is clear evidence of a problem relative to this Philando Castile situation because he was pulled over an insane amount of times over the course of the last several years, resulting in almost no charges.
2: He was stopped 52 times by the police.
1: Right. And he has in 14 no, years. In 14 years. And he has no criminal record. So it's all seatbelt bullshit. It's just, come on.
2: Well, think of how many times you've been stopped in the past 14 years, just for comparison.
1: May- maybe five. And that's really a stretch.
2: I mean, 52 times?
1: 52
2: yeah. times? Yeah. Come on now. Right. What's going on?
1: There's a problem. All right. Well, in the mere hours after this Philando Castile tragedy, another horrific event befell us in the city of Dallas, Texas.
5: Chaos erupting on the streets of Dallas at 9 p.m. Somebody's really armed to the teeth. Gunshots raining down from the sky. Officers taking cover protesters scattering in panic as their peaceful march against officer-involved shootings wound down. I would say probably
1: about 20 gunshots, rapid succession. I was screaming, run, 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 active shooter, active shooter. Then, so he turned around, trying to
0: shoot at him, he got hit, boom, fail. Boom, 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 kept going. Yeah. Around
5: 10.30, police confirming snipers in elevated positions targeting officers, picking them off ambush style in what appears to be a coordinated attack. Just before midnight, law enforcement officers cornering a suspect at El Centro Garage downtown.
6: I think they might have got somebody.
5: One witness catching the standoff unfolding from the ground. Police exchanging gunfire for over 45 minutes while trying to negotiate.
3: And there's somebody else down over
5: there. One officer trying to catch the, the shooter it? off guard, I sadly shot down. Another witness capturing the suspect from above, wearing body armor, holding so much ammunition it was falling out of his pocket.
6: I did hear some some, some popping sounds, I did think it was uh, fireworks that first came out, um, man had a rifle, um, AR-15 clear as day. It did look planned, I mean he just parked and he knew where to stand and opened fire. He had ammo ready,
5: he was ready to go. Police now say. One suspect has been killed.
6: The suspect told our negotiators that uh, the end is coming and that there are bombs all over the place in this garage and in downtown.
5: But police say they have three people in custody, including a woman who was in the vicinity of the garage and two suspects carrying a camouflaged bag. They were stopped on the interstate.
0: To say that our police officers put their life on the line every day is no hyperbole. We as a country must come together, lock arms, and heal the wounds that we all feel from time to time.
1: There's a couple points there that do need to be corrected, because this clip came from the aftermath. Like, while this shit was going down, there is only one suspect. He is dead. Micah Xavier Johnson... And I think it was just out of an abundance of caution that they uh, detained and questioned other people. But what the mayor of Dallas said there, that's accurate. And there is a justification here to have vigils and remembrances of these five men and women who, who dedicated their lives to their community. It's important to do that, just as it's important To mourn the life of Philando Castile, and Alton Sterling, and Walter Scott, and Tamir Rice, and Eric Garner. Just as important. In the aftermath of this, Dan Patrick, who is the Texas Lieutenant Governor, someone we've talked about on the show previously had a very unmeasured response, I guess is the way to put it, relative to the protesters. Because this was all taking place during a Black Lives Matter protest. I also think that before we get to the clip, it, 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 it should be said and known and put out there that this Micah Xavier Johnson was not affiliated Loosely or otherwise, with the Black Lives Matter movement. That is lies and propaganda that is out there. He was just a lone, angry dude. Young African-American veteran. Served in Afghanistan. He was just angry. Misguided. And we don't know the extent of whether he had a mental illness... Or whether he was just prone to radical behavior. But he is a terrorist. He committed an act of terror on American soil. And he killed five innocent people. Wounding several others. But the Texas lieutenant governor had this to say about the protesters.
5: Now let's bring in Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick for more on this. You just heard our reporting. Lieutenant Governor, you're with us. There you are. Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, first I am. of all, our condolences uh, across the nation. We're all praying for what's happened in your state and in, in your home city. Um, just big questions now about the reporting that just happened, some of the assets that are coming to you. First of all, what help you're getting and then what help you need? Uh, one of the
6: one of the areas we needed this morning and we still need are counselors we're we're solving that issue because every police officer involved in a shooting uh, has uh, a chance to sit down with a counselor and quite frankly there were so many police firing last night we were short of counselors here and we're bringing that assistance uh, from around the state you know harris i have heard a lot of i've been sitting here listening to the show and and i want to bring us back to real people who Mm -hmm. died last night and and were wounded Uh, brent thompson married two weeks ago. Uh, Shot 10 or 12 times yesterday. Had a bulletproof vest on as they all did. The bullets pierced the the vest. He was running up to take out a gunman who outgunned him and uh, probably had body armor on. Uh, These were officers last night. Many of them never had a a chance, never knew what hit them. Shot in the back. Um, And I do blame, and I do blame people on social media uh, with their hatred towards police. I do blame. I saw Jesse Jackson, I think it was on Fox the other night, calling police racist without any facts. I do blame former Black Lives Matter protests. Last night was peaceful, but others have not been. And we've heard the pigs in the blanket. This has to stop, Harris. These are real people. I I was at the hospital last night and saw four bodies of deceased officers go, go by on the gurney, and police officers standing in salute. Um, We have a precious few thousand, Harris, in every city that protect millions. And we're not going to have them much longer. Uh, Spouses of husbands and wives or or parents of sons and daughters are going to say, you can't do this as a career. Or men and women who serve, black, brown, white, Asian, all, reflecting our community are going to say, I have a family I have to protect. All of these officers, has been said last night, lost their life protecting people who were protesting against them. This has to end. I grew up in a world, I've been around long enough, that we've always had bad people, we've always had dangerous people. But the general public respected the police. Too many in the general public, who aren't criminals, but have a big mouth, are creating situations like we saw last night.
1: Yeah, and he called them hypocrites. Hypocrites.
2: And again, he touched on that conservative argument of, we'll just respect authority. But the thing is, Philando Castile...
1: He did respect authority.
2: He did. Yeah, and he still died. So, please tell us more about how people can correct their behavior to prevent from being murdered. Right. I, I, what is going on here? Well, the
1: other thing that I want to talk about: is, well, this is these things aren't mutually exclusive. You can mourn the deaths of these cops, these brave cops in Dallas, and still mourn the death of Alton Sterling. And Philando Castile and these others that I've mentioned.
2: Right. Not only do you not have to choose a side, you really shouldn't choose a side.
1: Right. They're all people with families like he's talking about.
2: I really liked what John Legend was tweeting while this was going on. He said, These Dallas shootings are horrific. Killing these officers is morally reprehensible and completely counterproductive to keeping us safe. Being against cops killing is not equal to being for killing cops. We need peace in our streets. Cops on edge means more of us get killed.
1: Well, the Texas lieutenant governor, clarified his comments when asked directly about them later that day on another network in an interview earlier today you called the protesters yes. who marched last night quote in your words hypocrites that they were expecting the police to protect them why hypocrites
6: well yeah and what i meant by that and, and and maybe it's the wrong choice of words i've seen a lot of death in the last uh, 12 hours and and uh, when you stand in the hospital and see uh, four bodies uh, of deceased officers taken out on gurneys, and and uh, you see the the uh, the hearts that are broken and the lives that are shaken, um, what I meant by that is that if if we as a society,
1: are and then not he goes be on to give his place, answer. Mean but we, the thing is, the all season. he needed to say was, "Oh yeah, well I was on Fox News then, and that's kind of bread and their bread and butter." So. Uh, you know, I was just giving him Fox News talking points because it's a ridiculous assertion that people who are braving altercations with the same police who are systemically oppressing them—they're hypocrites, they're cowards because they're not. Co- co- I mean, what is he? What is he talking about? So Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick proves himself once again to be a rabble-rouser, a a bomb-thrower, a partisan hack not truly serving all Americans who are citizens of Texas. All right. Well, let's get to a very abbreviated segment of dollomocracy. Democracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, Donald Trump, of course, Donald Trump. We have talked in the past at length about the financial irregularities of Donald Trump and all of the different claims that he makes relative to his charitable contributions, his general altruism, and just what a all-around good guy (laughs) that he is well we talked in previous episodes about how he donated $12,000 at a charity auction from the Donald J. Trump Foundation his charity he he paid for a Tim Tebow signed helmet and jersey for himself well now it's been released I don't know if this is from the Washington Post or not but it's being released that he spent $120,000 of that same charity's money to bid on a dinner with Selma Hayek.
2: It was actually BuzzFeed News that dug this up. Oh, right. And in 2008, at a gala hosted by Gucci, benefiting Madonna's charity, Donald Trump paid $120,000 for a tour of a vineyard in France. As auctioneer Chris Rock described, the tour would include a lunch with, quote, Salma Hayek and her breasts. (laughs) And like you said, Trump used money from the Trump Foundation to bid on this, and he won. But evidently, he never went he gave the trip
1: it was was also going to be with selma hayek's husband
2: right well (laughs) he probably learned that afterward
1: right right
2: so he actually ended up giving the trip to a family member or friend
1: but he used charity money to benefit himself and then ultimately someone else he didn't pay with his own money he used charity money to do this I really hope that they're going to start looking into these different irregularities.
2: So apparently the Trump Foundation's tax form from 2008 notes a $107,000 charitable contribution to the Gucci Foundation. Meanwhile, the Gucci Foundation's tax form shows a $145,000 donation from the Trump Foundation. The <laughs> Trump Foundation's tax form does not inclu- does not include any self-dealing disclosures. Hmm.
1: Well, if you listen to the family... Brittany Page, if you listen to Eric Trump, he was just quoted in an interview where he said that his father gives millions of dollars to charities, including the his own charity, the charity that Eric Trump runs personally.
2: So this is from the Washington Post.
1: <laughs>
2: and I don't know why the Trump family keeps doing this. OK, but but here's here's how this went down. I,
1: I, I think it. Well, go ahead and then we'll talk about it.
2: Eric Trump said in an interview that his father gives millions and millions and millions, end quote, three millions.
1: <laughs> That's a lot of millions.
2: Of his own money to charity, including hundreds of thousands of dollars to Eric Trump's own charitable foundation, because apparently they all have their own charitable foundation. Right.
1: Well, you know, you got to buy a Tim Tebow jersey somehow.
2: After making that assertion, Eric Trump was asked if he would provide details of his father's gifts.
1: <laughs> That's what I was going to say before when I cut you off like an asshole is it's almost as though they don't know the role of the media that just because you say something the media is not just going to oh put their hands in their pockets and like oh I guess it's covered that that settles it, everybody. That's a fact. They're going to look into you. They're going to find out.
2: Yeah. So they asked him to provide details specifically as it relates to his supposed donation to the Eric Trump Foundation. Okay. His own foundation. Right. So it seems like it would be easy for him to go in and...
1: and find out how much his father actually really gave.
2: Yeah. So Eric Trump said he would check. And then several hours later, he wrote back that he would not, quote, we are going to maintain anonymity.
1: Right. Hope you understand. He gives millions and millions and millions, including to my charity. Oh, yeah? Well, how much? Oh, well, he's going to remain anonymous.
2: Well, that's the thing. It's not really anonymous if you keep talking about how much money he gives to charity. Right.
1: He's exactly right.
2: You don't want the claim to be anonymous, but you want the proof to be anonymous? They that really, seems odd. They
1: ultimately do want... God, that's a good point, Brittany. That they I'm, I'm, wa- I'm just full of good points That's fucking today. awesome. They want the claim to not be anonymous, but the actual donation to be anonymous.
2: Yeah. It's weird. It's a very strange thing.
1: This should be the Brittany Page show today. Very, very good. Well, I'm not understanding how... Sometimes you make some real, real good points, Brittany.
2: Thank you. Sometimes. <laughs> okay, but you're listen. You're real smart. Why aren't people... Ca- Every okay. once in a while, <laughs> Brittany,
1: you shock me with some beautiful nuggets of wisdom.
2: Okay. Why isn't anyone... listen? <laughs> why... <laughs> Why doesn't anyone care about this? I mean, specifically as it relates to Donald Trump supporters. Why isn't this something that matters to them? It's
1: fucking weird. Real, real weird. All right. You know what else is weird? We're going to end this episode of the program. the asshole of today. Ken Ham. Ken Ham.
2: The famous creationist. That's right.
1: He <laughs> he is the the founder of the
2: Answers in Genesis. A, a,
1: that's right. Answers in Genesis. He's the fellow with the caveman like beard who uh debated uh Bill Nye. Yeah, Bill Nye the, the science the, guy. At the create I think everybody knows just by Bill Nye. You don't add you don't have to add the science guy to the end of it.
2: You know, I think people aren't sure that's and... a
1: clarification that just doesn't <laughs> need to be made.
2: Okay. Well, I can't be perfect on every show. So It's like
1: saying, Oh yeah, um Eric Estrada. Well, maybe that's a dated reference, but <laughs> Aaron Paul, and then you go, Oh no, it's TV's Aaron Paul. You know what I mean?
2: No, I think that was a horrible, horrible yeah. comparison. All right.
1: So Ken Ham, asshole of today. <laughs> He also just opened up a $100 million life-size replica, quote-unquote, wink-wink, of the Ark, of Noah's Ark.
2: Yeah. So he had this massive ship built to match the dimensions set out in the Bible. And the entire project is expected to cost $100 million or more. And Ken Ham was interviewed. He he said this on Nightline quote: "The message that we have, it's making the Bible come alive. Really, by building Noah's Ark, we're saying this really happened. This is plausible."
1: <laughs> as wait, 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 as wait. he
2: requires one hundred million dollars to build it. Not
1: only that, but I've seen photos of the construction process, which involves several heavy-duty cranes. Hundreds of construction workers, generators, technology. You're not proving that it's plausible, weirdo.
2: If it was plausible, Ken Ham would have done this himself.
1: Right. All by himself. With with his family. Yeah. Like three other fucking people.
2: Just just them. That's it. With
1: with 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 stone aged, bronze age tools. No cranes. None of that. I mean, maybe you get the elephant to like lift up the the log, <laughs> or the giraffe to like hand you a hammer up high or something. Isn't that what the, in the kids' books they did?
2: I didn't read those. You, you, you
1: got to enlist enlist the help of the animals. Yeah, you got a long neck giraffe; he can reach up high. You yeah, know? so Ken
2: Ham should have done that as well. Yeah, according to Ken Ham, <laughs> the ark is five hundred and ten feet long, eighty five feet wide, and fifty one feet high. And wow, what's more upsetting to me is what he could have done with 100 million dollars.
1: Oh, so hence, that's why he's the asshole of today.
2: Yes. I mean, is brain cancer solved? That's a problem we've solved. Is is childhood poverty no longer a problem. I mean, 100 million dollars to build this boat in the middle of Kentucky.
1: Uh, It's really kind of a what would Jesus do kind of thing. Is Jesus going to build a, you know, one-tenth-of-a-billion-dollar uh, amusement park attraction? He did compare this to Disneyland, by the way. <laughs> o- or you think he's going to feed a bunch of poor kids if he has a tenth-of-a-billion-dollars? Yeah. I agree, Brittany. I believe he is the asshole of today. All right. We love you. We're going to leave you there, though.
2: I also want to say... Apparently
1: we're not going to leave you there. Well,
2: I also want to say that he took advantage of $18 million in tax benefits and tourism incentives. So he actually got tax benefits for this.
1: While only hiring Christians. It's a prerequisite of hiring yeah. that you have to be a believer and sign a declaration of faith to yep. be an employee. Yep. So the the, the state of Kentucky is subsidizing a goddamn church.
2: You actually had to agree with this statement on your job application. The Great Flood of Genesis was an actual historic event (laughs) worldwide in its effect and extent.
1: Despite the lack of archaeological and scientific evidence of such a thing. Despite any of that, it's a fact. All right. Can we we end the show?
2: Well, just so everyone knows. (laughs) $40 for adults, $28 for children. I know that's important. We want to give it a plug so everybody can go. Yeah,
1: of course. Yeah. All right. Now we'll end the show. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. Listen, tomorrow, the 12th of July, is Amazon Prime Day. It's kind of like Black Thursday, the extra special deals crazy black friday wild and wacky hubada what
2: you said black thursday do you mean black friday
1: oh black thursday was a stock market crash <laughs> 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 wow bringing me back everybody
2: get it together so
1: uh black friday yeah it's like black Flat, black friday yeah 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 it's like black friday so <laughs> so uh, everyone's
2: panicking prime
1: prime day amazon prime this is a way for you to support the show while getting a good deal. Go to Amazon. Go to Dollarmore.com. On the left-hand side of the page, there's a link that says support the show. Click on that Amazon link. It'll take you right through to Amazon. Do all your good deal getting on amazon.com, and we'll get a little piece of it. You won't pay any more. And if you're going to spend your money anyway at Amazon. We would love for you to help support the show, because every little bit goes a long way. If you'd like to donate on a regular basis, you can go to PayPal and do it through that same link on dollamore.com or patreon.com. We would love for you to partner with us in helping move the conversation forward. You guys are the best. And as always, until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. And this has been I Doubt It. And I mean, this is the shittiest looking
2: dessert you've ever seen in your life.